You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and resident panelist, as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore data. So we got a good amount to get to today. They had a very long two-hour practice, so I want to get through some of those notes. Um, I have published a couple different articles, kind of giving some updates on where everybody's at, because I know it's hard to keep track of everything, even for me. Um make reorganizing my desk because I try to do my intro at the same time because there's junk everywhere. Um, you know, I've been doing this daily and taking individual daily notes, but trying to keep all the notes in my head, like for example, Rico Gafford, even right now, as I say, Rico Gafford, it's like, which one is he again? I get all those like back of the roster guys. Some, some of them anyways, for some reason, they just blend together for me. Like for some reason, Ento and Gafford, same guy. Keandre Thomas and Dante Vaughn, same guy. I don't know why. Ty Summers and Isaiah McDuffie are pretty much the same guy. Randy Ramsey and Jonathan Garvin. I know who they are, but it's like, if, I, if, if Jonathan Garvin has a really good day, I'm going to know that in, in two hours, I'll remember one of those two guys had a really good day. I can't remember which one's which. Malik Taylor and Juwan Winfrey, same dude. So the point is, it was nice because I did an article where I, I put all my notes for every day of training camp together to kind of give an overall score of how many positive notes I've had, how many negative notes I've had. And it really kind of highlighted some of these guys as, oh, dang, that's that's kind of cool. So, um, again, I know it's hard to try to to kind of keep all this stuff together, but it is, it is nice to um, still on a day-to-day basis because for those of us that can keep some of that stuff in our head, kind of keep running tabs of how guys are doing. Um, I do kind of want to go over that article. I'm not going to go person by person, but there are some people that kind of stood out in terms of either being positive or negative that I wanted to highlight that, at least in my mind, were like, oh, snap, I didn't even realize that. Um, I didn't do special teams, so some of the guys um, much more prominent in terms of what they've contributed. So in other words, in the article, it's like they haven't done jack when in reality they've been killing it on special teams, but that's an entirely separate thing. Um, so again, I want to cover kind of a, a quick recap of what we've done. Then I want to go over training camp eight, which was today, a two hour training camp session. At least that's what it was supposed to be. I don't know if they did two hours or not. Um, I wish I could go over the uh, first preseason game, but again, I'm recording this prior to that, so I can't quite do that. But the look ahead to family night is really the most exciting thing. So today, tomorrow for me, it's supposed to be kind of a light workout in preparation for family night, which is going to be pretty exciting. Uh, the only other thing I wanted to add before we kind of dive into some of this stuff is to remind you to go check out the um, the Packers Total Access show that Clayton put together. I forget who's, whose shows are titled what. Packers Total Access that Clayton put together. Um, did an interview with Christian Watson's mom and um, really got some pretty solid insights, some stuff that we have not heard. Um, I, I, spoiler alert if you haven't listened to it yet, but the 
Although we don't have a strict timeline on it, the quote-unquote injury was extremely minor. There was floating cartilage, which I've never even heard of before. They decided to go in and clean it up. Um, he should be back by week one, possibly a little sooner. In fact, um, Christian Watson's family is planning on attending some preseason games with the hopes that he'll be playing in those games. So it could be even uh, earlier than that. But uh, make sure you go check that article out. All right, let's, where do we start with today? I feel like there's so much to talk about. I don't want to spend too much time talking about around the NFL type stuff. Um, there was a, a note about Marcos Valdez-Scantling. He says he dropped two deep balls in 10-play offensive period. Drops have been the thing for him at camp even before today. So that's starting to rear its ugly head for MVS. The, uh, you know, the question was, is it a Rodgers problem or, the M- or an MVS problem? And, and maybe we're starting to get an answer on that. Uh, the only other thing is Matt Stafford apparently is going through some injury issues. I don't know the full extent of it, but it is something to keep an eye on. Obviously, LA is one of the one of the teams to keep an eye on in the NFC for you know as far as competition for us. It says the uh, Stafford and the Rams are trying to manage an ongoing arm issue that clearly bothered him in spots last season. I remember hearing something about it, but it sounds like it's not an ongoing thing that isn't really going away. It says the Rams are aware of this and have had him on a dramatically different management plan than they had him on all last season. So he's going to be throwing a lot less um, in terms of in the offseason and whatnot. Another bullet point says uh, ongoing arm issue is legitimately a concern, though we don't know yet how big of a concern because when Stafford has thrown, he's looked fine. So something to keep in the back of your mind, I guess. Otherwise, I talked yesterday on the podcast a little bit about the Deshaun Watson thing and kind of being unclear on the direction of what they're doing and why. In other words, are they appealing that it's too long or too short of a time? It sounds like what they're appealing is the seventh game and beyond. In other words, they're appealing his ability to come back, not the suspension itself. That's not being challenged at all. So it does sound like they're going to try to make it go longer, if that's of any interest to you whatsoever. I'm actually kind of upset because <laughs> I had um, I had Aaron Rodgers' press conference, the entire video queued up with timestamps for every single thing that I wanted to play to kind of go over some of that, even though I've talked about it, because there were some really good nuggets that I wanted you to be able to hear, and I'm pretty sure I deleted it. So, so unless I can find it, we'll just scrap that whole plan for today. The heck would I have put that? Boom, found it. Since I found it and I'm going to celebrate, why don't we just do this right now? Um, Again, we kind of covered some of this stuff already, but there's more that I want to talk about. And I really like the way he, you know, said things. So we're just going to go through all these. And the crazy thing is, and I I feel, I always feel lazy when I kind of do stuff like this, where it's like, we're going to play the whole video. But um, Aaron Rodgers did a 21-minute interview, which is right in line with what he says about being more open and more vocal and all that stuff. But in that, I wanted to just get a couple nuggets. I found one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten different things that he said that I was like, dang, I got to play that for the podcast. So we're going to do all ten. Again, some of these I mentioned, but it's still better to hear it from him. So we're going to rip through these ten, and then we're kinda, we'll kind of see where we're at from there. Uh, the first one, he's talking about the offensive line. It's definitely a young group. Definitely a young group, but Yasha's played some good football, so we have a lot of confidence in him. And I think Royce, you know, has been playing some tackle and guard for us. He's got some flexibility, and then we got to see what we have with the young guys. You know, the guys with two first names. We got to see if they can, you know, where they're going to be playing at. Uh, but I, I like what we've done uh, 
really at center and left guard, I think I've been really consistent. You know, when John Ryan you know, Runyon came in, John Ryan. Was my, <laughs> I was just actually talking to Mason about John Ryan, so that came out a little slip there. But uh, John Runyon, when he came in, he was a pro's pro. Maybe because he's been around his dad and seen what it looks like, but the game has never been too big for him. And Josh is such a big, wide body. Uh, although he, he's a heavy sweater, and so <laughs> indoors in a day like today in a walkthrough, uh, we had to get him multiple towels. But uh, remind me of uh, Evan Dietrich Smith a little bit. But uh, I like how those guys are playing, and, and really the other spots are up for grabs until Dave and Elton get back. Again, I like the fact that they don't know what we don't know. I keep talking about that, but um, sometimes they just blurt stuff out that I sit here and go, oh, wait, what was that again? Um, I know that left guard and center are basically set, but it's also nice to hear that Aaron Rodgers is very excited about those players. I was concerned about Josh Myers. I don't know what he's doing. I haven't heard a single thing about Josh Myers. I know in the past we've heard that they like him, but since then, this year, all I've heard is uh, Aaron Rodgers is yelling at Josh Myers constantly, including today or yesterday's training camp, I guess. Again, yelling at Josh Myers about something, but saying that those are essentially um, solidified, kind of talking a little bit about Royce and saying he likes that, but not really giving him the same amount of uh, respect there. And then from there, going immediately into the young guys. You know, I mean, Jake Hansen seems to be the guy at right guard right now with maybe Royce at, at right tackle. But from Aaron Rodgers' perspective, we've got the left guard spot, we've got the center spot, and then we got Royce to do something. And then it's going to be up to Zach, Tom, and Sean Ryan. You know, he said the young guys with two first names, Zach, Tom, Sean, Ryan. So again, just kind of interesting when you kind of, it's sort of like one of those ink blot things. Just tell me what the first thing that comes to your mind when you, when you just kind of catch him on a question, first thing that pops into his mind is, I like John Runyon, I like Josh Myers, and I'm interested to see how the, the two young guys, Zach, Tom, and Sean Ryan, perform and what, what position they're going to end up playing when the season starts in the absence of David Bakhtiari and Elton Jenkins. Next up, he kind of talks about uh, Romeo. He does it twice, but we're going to go. This is the first time he mentions Romeo Dobbs and the job that he's done. You know, it's never been too big for him. Uh, I really like the approach. He's a very humble kid, but you're starting to see the personality come out a little bit, which is fun to see. He's had a lot of opportunities, which has been great. You know, with Sammy not, not practicing a couple days and obviously Christian being out, a lot of opportunities for him. He's made the most of it. I thought, you know, it's not just the team stuff. I thought he ran good routes yesterday in the one-on-ones against, against Stokes. And, you know, it's just a matter of the mental stuff. You know, he's still making some mental mistakes, but you expect those. It's, it's the, uh, the approach, though, and his release patterns. He gets the ball with his hands. He's, you know, every single day, you guys know you've been watching, there's been at least one kind of wow play from him, and that's kind of rare for a young guy uh, like that. Now, we've had some guys over the years kind of do that, but you know they're all in the top ten, I think, in the Packers receiving history, so good start for him. So, again, it's just it's, it's so nice to hear it in its full context because – Number one, we know Aaron Rodgers doesn't just heap praise like this, right? We can remember back to MVS and Jamon Moore and uh, Equinemius St. Brown when they first got in here, and Rodgers freaking hated them. And flat, I mean, he it was a it was a. I remember he was in the locker room just like he is right now, talking about Romeo Dobbs, and he was asked about it, and he essentially said, "Listen, I'm at a point in my career where I'm I'm basically not going to sugarcoat this stuff anymore." 
you need to to get up to speed. You need to be doing this stuff. And he was talking about, you know, he busted them out for scripted practices. He said that this is in, I mean, you're basically running scout team. So you just get a little card on it that says run this route and you can't even do that right. So he's not in, in, in any position to be blowing smoke. So that's number one. But then beyond that, you can also hear that he's trying to kind of, you know, well, you know, he's he's looking good, but he's still got some stuff to work through or whatever. But even as he's trying to do that, he's saying, you know, but at the same time, you've seen it every day. There's been at least one big wow play. And by the way, he did it again yesterday. Training camp day eight, did it again, at least once. Pretty sure it was multiple times, though. Diving catches and everything else. He says, and and he acknowledges that it's extremely rare and that he's never seen it outside of guys that you would probably have to put in the top 10 of Green Bay Packers receiving history. So, I mean, it's it doesn't 100% mean anything, but it certainly doesn't mean nothing. Uh, the next clip is about A.J. Dillon. Um, and I think the biggest reason I like it is because they didn't ask about A.J. Dillon. They asked about Aaron Jones. And he kind of gives his little thing about Aaron Jones. He's like, yep, Jones is great. And then he, he volunteers just heaping praise on A.J. Dillon. That, to me, speaks volumes. Because it's easy to take a sound clip of, what do you like about Aaron Jones? Aaron Jones is a great running back. Oh, dang, he said Aaron Jones is great. Well, yeah, you ask, dude. I mean, it's, I, I always like to say that, you know, you got to remember, these guys don't volunteer the information. They're being asked the information. You need to factor that in. But in this case, he actually did volunteer. He was not asked. When he came in here, you know, he was a big back who you expect to be able to run power really well. And I feel like of all the people we've had in the last three years, he's got to be in a very short list of guys who have improved so drastically. And his pass-catching ability is really, really solid. And he's made difficult catches look easy over the last couple years in this training camp. And I couldn't be more proud of 28 and his approach, uh, the, the way that he's handled not just being a player in this locker room, an ascending player, but a member of this community. A.J. Dillon, is, uh, he's a Green Bay guy now. Next up, appropriately after uh, the interview with uh, Christian Watson's mom and, and hearing some news about him hopefully coming back sooner than later, um, are Aaron Rodgers' thoughts on Christian Watson, which are important because, you know, again, I, I, I want to know his honest assessment of the situation. And I'll, I'll be completely honest. I, I think these guys are perfectly transparent, even when they're not trying to be. It's really not hard to read any of them anymore. Just whether or not they choose to be evasive on a question, and then, and then if they try to blow smoke, smoke, it's kind of easy to tell if they're doing that or if they're not doing that. And this is a situation where this is just an honest, genuine answer. No, not a big concern. I mean, he's, he's a really smart kid. I know he scored really high on the Wonderlick test. I want to retest if he's higher than me. But, uh, <laughs> but no, he is a smart kid. You know, it's, it'd be nice if we could get him off the pop so he could do some of the walkthrough stuff. But he'll be fine. He's super athletic. He went through the whole offseason program with us, the OTAs and minicamp. And he's been in my hip pocket. You guys have seen him been in my hip pocket asking questions uh, after periods and, and uh, during individual time. So uh, I'm not, not worried about it. So first of all, it's entirely possible that the lack of concern, let me mute dumb discord again. It's entirely possible that the lack of concern has more to do with um, confidence in everybody else. You know what I mean? Like he, as far as my concern for him coming in being wide receiver four, I don't have a lot of concern. Not necessarily. I think he's going to come in and be wide receiver one day one. I have no concern about that. 
But still, I mean, he he lays out exactly why he doesn't have real serious concern. I mean, aside from the basics of there's going to be some mental lapses or whatever, but there there's the two components. There's he has the athleticism to be able to win. He has the intelligence to be able to comprehend. And you put those two things together, you got a good football player. So we'll figure it out. He'll be fine. And really, that's been the biggest thing for me and Christian Watson, even before the OTAs and everything else, is for any rookie, athleticism is just the starting point. After that, it's comprehension. How well can you comprehend what you need to do and then be able to put that on the field? And his very high intelligence gives me a lot of comfort because there's just not a lot of pieces missing. You know, I mean, there may be a handful of things that you really try to get him to understand that he can't comprehend, but... If, if you would check off the list and say he's got the athleticism and he's got the intelligence, there isn't a lot of, of, of a gap between, <laughs> between those two in which you can have a guy that struggles as a wide receiver. Not saying it's impossible by any stretch. It's still probably a long shot that he ends up being a, a real good wide receiver, but I'm just saying that's a real good combination. Uh, next up is his quote about communication. I'd mentioned that he had talked about that and why he thinks it's important. So I just want, again, for you to be able to hear it from his mouth. I want to win badly, and you got to communicate to win. Uh, with Christian and with Romeo and Samaria, it's a lot of uh, me teaching them and reminders about certain situations that they probably haven't thought of before or might not have had reminded in their room, which is no knock on Jason because he does a fantastic job. But there's just little things through the experience I've had over the years that, that are good reminders for those guys. Rasul is one of the smartest guys I've ever played with. He reminds me a lot in the deepest respect of Charles Woodson. Uh, he has incredible ball skills. He baits you at practice. He has the competitive fire that, that Charles did. But that may have looked like me talking to him, but it was as much him talking to me. I love picking his brain because his ability to see the game and concepts, and I think it's important that we share both sides, me sharing with the defense, their disguise, uh, their uh, eye discipline and certain things that can help them. And I need their feedback, like I told them the other day, on the receivers. You know, you got to let me know because we're trying to win here. It's not about competitive advantage in practice. What can I tell these young guys on how to little things to improve the route running, uh, their eye discipline, they're just little things in the details. So I love picking uh, Jaws brain and, and Rasul's brain, especially and and, uh, and Sav and, and Adrian as well. Forgot that one was a twofer. That's about communication, but also has that little Rasul Douglas nugget uh, baked into it. But that that is nice to hear um, because that is exactly what should be going on. You know, it's nice to hear about this guy beat that guy or whatever. But really, that should be the expectation. You know, if um, it's, it's mostly a lot of young guys, but let's say Kenny Clark beats Josh Myers on a rep. The immediate instinct, and I'm not, you know, you got to get back on the line, get back to work and keep fighting, but the immediate instinct and, and the culture, I think, should be that Kenny Clark wants to tell Josh, here's what's going on, because that's the guy protecting your quarterback. And if you're able to get a tell, or, or if you just know you can beat him by doing this or that or the other thing, if you see a weakness, you go talk to him, you go talk to his offensive line coach and be like, look, just so you know, I'm going to beat him every time doing this. You don't keep that to yourself so that you can look good in practice. You know what I mean? And I, and I think for younger guys, that might be a temptation. You know, for example, Romeo Dobbs, I'm guessing he's not super excited about running over to uh, Eric Stokes and being like, look, if you do this, you're going to shut me down from now on out. This is how I'm getting you. Because he's looking good and he's trying to, you know, get himself a, a job and a paycheck and all that. Same with Stokes, you know. Stokes hasn't gotten that big paycheck yet. He's not in a hurry to uh, teach Dobbs anything, but I, I think that's, that is important. We're trying to win a Super Bowl here. 
Dobbs, you need Stokes to be an elite football player. Stokes, you need Dobbs to be an elite football player. Uh, next up, we got a note from Rodgers about special teams. Uh, no, we don't. Sorry, that's the next one. This is Rodgers on the defense and especially Quay Walker, which is always a fun thing to be able to hear. I mean, I wouldn't say surprised. I, I would say I enjoy the the some of the the pressure packages that we got in so far. I loved the, how we finished the season last year, and, and there's been some really aggressive stuff that we've been working on in practice, which is fun to go against. It tests our offense, protection schemes, and adjustments, and eye discipline. I will say the one guy that's kind of jumped out that I hadn't got to see really is is quite, um, you know, to see him uh, run around out there and make plays uh, has been great, and he's with an absolute pro next to him. The other thing that makes me smile the most is watching 59 because there's a little something that changes naturally when you get paid. You know, it gives you this, this ju- not justification, but it kind of cements uh, the integrity of your leadership opportunity. And to watch him continue to expand that role as a leader and the lead, really the leader of the defense has been, has been great to see. And along with that, you're seeing him raise up and, and give a voice to the Rashawn Garys and Kenny Clarks and, uh, you know, up and, and Smash. And, and then you see him, Preston, continue to step in to his opportunity as a leader. So really three notes on that. The, the first of which that really got me excited is hearing that it's not just really good players on defense, but they're doing some really complex stuff that's really challenging them. So when you hear the defense is winning every single day, basically, again, it's not just because they have good players. The scheme, the, the, the aggression is really causing the offense to struggle. There's going to come a time when that aggression is not going to be directed at Aaron Rodgers. It's going to be directed at Justin Fields and Kirk Cousins and, and you know, our competition. And so and he added to that, he really liked how they ended the, the season. You know, the defense was really starting to come into its own. He's starting to see that carry over now. Um, he's, he's, he is a veteran quarterback who's seen a lot of stuff that's excited about some of the stuff he's seeing the second thing he mentioned that obviously is great is the the guy that's standing out to him is quay walker i mean that that should have that should be front page news for every single packer fan that should be front page news on nfl.com you know we we talk about everything else but the the first pick that we took it was not Devonte wyatt it was not christian watson it was not romeo dobbs it was quay walker and not only was that the first pick we took in, in a long line of guys that we really liked that seemed to be quite good. I mean, everybody I listed seems to be a pretty good football player um, so far. But the guy that they liked the most was Quay Walker. And he was criticized and ridiculed like everybody else. But since day one, he's been out on that field. Since day one, he's been running with the ones. And you've got one of the best quarterbacks, one of the most experienced quarterbacks in all the NFL, probably the most outside of Tom Brady, who's standing there watching this defense saying the one guy, and you've got Rashawn Gary over there. You've got Jair Alexander over there. You've got Devondre Campbell and Razul Douglas. You've got some real killers on that defense, and he's sitting over there saying, the guy that's been standing out to me is Quay Walker. That's incredible. And then the third note, which I actually thought was kind of interesting that I hadn't thought about before, was... You know, when a guy gets paid, it kind of gives you a sense of affirmation. You know, it's it's hard to be a leader on defense when when you're not paid. And as good as he was last year, if it didn't come with a big contract, as silly as it might seem, there is an element of, you know, affirming that you really are a stud and you can back it up with this big old massive paycheck. 
the NFL and the Green Bay Packers paid you because you're that good. So it seems silly, but it actually, to, to, to a degree, it makes sense. And he's, he's kind of had, Aaron Rodgers is saying, he's seen, he's seen that in a lot of other guys, and he sees it in Devondre Campbell, who is now stepping into that role as the leader of the defense, which is really saying something, because I think there are a lot of leaders on this defense, which is great, because I think it's been lacking for a while. You know, you go back to 2019, it was all young guys. Zedarius was brand new. Preston was brand new. They can't be the voice of anything. You kind of got Kenny, but he's still relatively young back then. You know, Jair, he's brand new. You know, there's really nobody, and even of the guys that maybe had been there for a while, you know, Amos was brand new. Even the guys that have been there for a while, these are not high-paid guys that really have any real authority to do anything or say anything. I couldn't even tell you who the other corners, safeties, and linebackers were at the time. Um, Blake Martinez, I guess, but he, you know, he didn't, again, he didn't have that paycheck. So now, now fast forward, you've got Kenny who maybe isn't the most vocal guy, but you can better believe he is leadership material. You got Preston who apparently is extremely vocal and is a, you know, again, paid proven leader, proven production on the defense. You've got Rashawn who is a very vocal guy. He's not paid yet, but you better believe he's going to be one of the highest paid pass rushers in NFL history in a very short period of time. You've got Amos, who's been a very consistent, great player, uh, you know, field general for the defense. You got Jair Alexander, who is one of, if not the best players on the entire defense. So there's a lot of guys that could fill that void. There's a lot of generals on that defense. It's almost like each position group has its own guy. You got a you, you got a leader on the defensive line in Kenny. You've got a leader off the edge with with basically two of them. You've got a leader at linebacker in Devondre. You've got a cornerback leader in Jair, and you got a safety leader in Amos. It's really really crazy. So if if any one person who's going to step up into that role is sort of assuming the role of king of kings and lord of lords, you know what I mean? He he's a leader among leaders, sort of the the, the general on a team full of captains. So it's it's a big deal. It really is. And it's it's very cool. And it just gets me excited to think about that. You know, just how many truly elite just just forces there are in this defense, you know? Just having one guy like Jair is such a big thing. Having one guy like Rashawn is such a big thing. Having one guy like Devondre, one guy like Amos, that that one true leader on a defense. We've got like five of them. Anyways. This note now is on special teams. I love it. I love it. You know, Rich has come in and set the standard, and not many people are talking back to him. Short clip, and again, it's one of those that you could probably just read it. You don't have to play it, but something about hearing the tone in his voice. There's no hesitation. It's not. It's almost even better to look at look at his face. You know, it's kind of like it's hard to judge a text. If you see, I love it you know, whatever, in regards to the special teams, it's, it's, it's whatever. But the no hesitation and the inflection in the voice of, I love it, and how his, his face just lights up, he's not, he's not just saying it. He's not just blowing smoke. And um, the look on his face after he talked about Rich Passaccia and how, you know, nobody's talking back to him, again, he's not kidding around. It's, it's no nonsense, it's serious business, and he's very excited about that, that we finally have a disciplined special teams unit. Um, we got another Romeo thing, but the, the other thing about this beyond Romeo is he gives a really, really good preseason insight, which I like. It kind of dovetails a little bit into what I was talking about with the nonsense about these practices don't really matter. Um, he, first of all, 
highlights how much it matters and that it matters a lot. But he also goes even further to say something I've never heard before, and he acknowledges it's an an uncommon and unpopular opinion, but the training camp and the stuff they're doing now is much more important and much more meaningful than the preseason. And and the way he lays it out, it's like a no-brainer, like, duh. And by the way, the question, the, the, the context of the question is, it, it again, it, it perfectly illuminates the concern about none of this matters because the question was essentially about Romeo. Does any of this matter or do you need to see him in a game first? And here is how Rodgers kind of answers that. I think practice reps at this point are more important than the preseason. I know it's not a popular opinion, but preseason has changed over the years and it's very vanilla on defense. I'm talking about just offensive players. I think defense you can see tackling uh, and, and you know, the contact maybe a little bit more. But for offensive players, the practice reps are the most important reps because we're going against uh, the same level of defenders. So ones go against ones and twos against twos. So there's there's not a talent difference usually. And you can see the adjustments because defenses don't just play, you know, seven-man box too high, six-man box, you know, seven-man box, one high, one high man, one high zone, two high zone. That's about all you see in the preseason. In practice, we see pressures. We have to, you know, peak hots. We have adjustments. We have audibles. We have hand signals. We have, uh, you know, reading coverages on the run. We have disguises by our defense. There's so many more things that test our offense in these practice reps, and they are so, so important. The only thing that occasionally happens, in my opinion, is when the lights go on, there are some players who rise to the occasion and some players who shrink. And I think that's all you can see in the preseason, but the practice reps are the most important. So again, it it perfectly highlights, first of all, one of those is a point that I had made just a couple days ago. The fact that, for example, Jordan Love will go out there because we're not playing any of our starters, but then the other team will have their starters out there. So you got Jordan Love playing with a bunch of backups, backup offensive line, backup wide receivers, backup tight ends, backup running backs up against a number one defense. And it's 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 a twofold problem. Number one, it's a vanilla defense, so nobody cares. And number two, it's much higher level of competition, so it's 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 way too difficult. So he's not learning a bunch because it's vanilla defense. And he doesn't have an opportunity to do anything because all his all the wide receivers are covered. There's nowhere for anybody to run. And he's got constant pressure on his face immediately. It's not as good. And, and that makes perfect sense because training camp is specifically structured to get the absolute best information out of each and every guy. And it wouldn't make any sense to set up anything in a way that that hinders your goal. And although that's still the goal in the preseason, there's different goals and different objectives for each team. So unless they're going to meet meet up ahead of time, compare roster notes and say, well, I, I, I don't want any of my starters playing. Well, I want some of mine. Well, I guess, all right, let's compromise. Rodgers will play one series and then you got to bench yours after that one. Unless you're willing to do that, which is impossible because there's, there's guys on your second team that you're going to want to see more. And there might be some guys on first team that are going to continue playing when everybody else sits. And th- there's no way to make that perfect compatibility between the two teams. And again, like he said, it's super vanilla. So Aaron Rodgers, if he were to play, and it's it's further reason to emphasize him needing to sit and, and his disdain for not playing in the preseason is, is because he thinks training camp is much more valuable to him. Number one, he's not getting hit, so there's no risk of injury. But on top of that, it's, it's such a better exercise for his mind to be able to play with his players, play with his guys, 
really get into the depth of the scheme and really try some new concepts and really work on things we need to work on, but also get the defense to play at a really high level, something they're not going to do in the preseason. So he's going up against, so so he carves up some defense because they're in just a basic defensive package and he risks getting hurt. It doesn't do any good for him. Now, for some of the other guys, sure, it's just additional reps and that's great. But the, the overall point is it's not even close, at least for the offense, he says, in terms of the benefit of training camp compared to the benefit of preseason. Training camp is infinitely more valuable. Now, again, on defense, actually being able to smoke somebody probably matters, right? Because tackling is incredibly important for defense. It seems obvious, but I don't know if it's obvious enough. I've, I've said for several years now, the best teams, the best defenses in football every year correlate directly with the best tackling defenses in football. There is no such thing as a bad tackling defense that's really good at defense. And and the Packers have had that in the past. They've had defenses that just really struggle to tackle. And it's such a massive detriment. And I think it also just plays to overall uh, um, discipline, um, tenacity, violence, all the things that you want in a defense, all those core things that you need they're going to culminate, if you're doing it properly, into tackling. And if you're not tackling, then you're missing a key component to what it is to be a, a, a good defense and a good defender. So I love that insight from uh, from Rodgers. But one more note here. This is uh, his thoughts on Jordan Love. And the specific question is, what differences have you seen in Jordan this week? Honestly, that. I've seen that. He threw a ball yesterday. And that is um, referring to fundamentals. He was talking about how... Having his quarterback coach back, he really emphasizes fundamentals, and it's important to do that. So that's that's what he's referring to. Yesterday, a deep over to Sammy, right? Guy's kind of in his face or whatever. The ball was great, but it all starts with the footwork. At the top of the drop, it was an out, it was inside zone fake on the left. At the top of his drop, he was heavy, and he one hitched a perfect four five five four, and to throw that ball. That's the difference. When you start figuring out the fundamentals and throwing from the ground up, the throwing becomes the easy part because your feet tell you exactly when to throw the ball. And that was beautiful footwork. And I love watching him and Danny, you know, when they just trust in the feet. Because when they do it right, and you've seen some of our slant routes that we're hitting off of action, them hitting it in time, it's all about those fundamentals and really the emphasis on proper hitches. You know, proper hitches in the drop and trusting those hitches to tell you where to throw the football. So I've seen, you know, I really think the biggest difference is year three is always, you know, a jump. But I've seen the fundamentals, you know, get that little cleanup that needed to happen that allows him, I think, to be a little bit more accurate. So again, another just really encouraging development. It it really feels like things are headed in that direction. And I I know the, the thought is going to be largely, well, yeah, obviously things seem positive now because it's training camp. That's really not true, though. I mean, look at Jordan Love over the last two years. We, it wasn't positive. The guy was mocked the entire offseason. You know, th- there's always negatives, but it just seems like, you know, if you were to make a checklist of things you were hoping to see, there's a lot of checks on that list and not a lot of unchecked things. Um, I think Sammy looks good. I think Lazard looks good. Dobbs is wildly exceeding everybody's expectations. Watson obviously isn't out there yet, but that's not really a negative. We just haven't seen him. Um, I think Runyon looks good. I love what we're hearing from Zach Tom. I'm encouraged by some of the things I'm hearing about Josiah DeGuara recently. Jordan Love clearly has taken a step to what? I don't know, but he's clearly improved. Uh, Jaron Reed, 
I love what I'm seeing from from Reed, from Dean Lowry. Devontae Wyatt is starting to take a step. TJ Slayton has been relatively consistent in his disruption. Uh, Preston has been solid. Rashawn has been unbelievably elite. Devondre and Quay Walker have sounded great. Um, the depth of, of positions like safety and corner and linebacker have been great in terms of especially their contributions on special teams to give me hope that um, not only are we going to have some relatively decent depth, but some really solid competition for special teams to be able to bring that up. Guys like Summers, McDuffie, Wilborn, guys like uh, you know Nixon and Levitt and Carpenter and Innis Gaines and Rico Gafford and um, on top of all the starters that are going to be playing occasionally. Pat O'Donnell even, the, the punter, who I have really low expectations for because he's always been just kind of mediocre in Chicago. Every note I've seen, which has been rare, has just been that he's absolutely exploding footballs. Um, Romeo Dobbs as a punt returner apparently is absolutely crushing it. Completely underrated storyline because of how great he's doing as a receiver. Uh, Rico Gafford as a kick returner. You know, stuff like that. Even, even just guys like Levitt who came in and, you know, you look at PFF and it's like, man, he's okay on special teams. And he comes over here and everybody's just like, no, dude, it's different. And maybe it's just being compared to what we saw last year, but that's fine. Give me a, a decent special teams. I'm not asking for top five. I'm saying decent. Give me top 20, maybe, would be fine. So it has been a lot of positive. Not everything's perfect. I wished Kingsley Enigbar would be a little bit um, further along, but no concern whatsoever. I mean, he's a fifth-round pick that has shown flashes. And, and again, if you hold him to the standard of give him, give him two to three years to figure it out, fine. It's not like we're expecting a fifth-year guy to come in and be a starter. Um, the running back competition at running back three is disappointing, If only if you're looking at Patrick Taylor and Kylan Hill to be able to do anything. Um, but I think Tyler Goodson has been a revelation, and B.J. Baylor has been uh, an absolute phenom in regard to blocking. So, I mean, again, not everything's perfect, and I want to cover a few of those things after the break, but uh, it's there's been a lot of very positive things. And you know what it is? It just feels like a, a disciplined and good football team. You know what I mean? It's not silly stuff. It's not stupid things, which we have seen in, in Packers camp before, you know, coaches yelling about, I'm, I'm upset about the lack of intensity and, and, and the hustle. And, you know, we got to clean this up and we got to clean that up. It's just good football players going out and putting out a good show. You know, it, it's, it's more about fine tuning than, you know, we got to get these guys ready to be football players because they're just not playing like football players right now. There's just none of that. This is just a well-oiled machine that that needs some some fine-tuning for the season. So, anyways, please do not forget to head over to pristineauction.com, P-R-I-S-T-I-N-E, auction.com, the most trusted sports memorabilia auction site with a A-plus Better Business Bureau rating. Auctions on pristineauction.com all start at $1, and there are some incredible deals. Obviously, it's going to go up from a buck, but it doesn't go up all that high. I've mentioned the Justin Herbert jersey. I'm sure there's been several other deals that are, are incredibly affordable, especially considering what you'll be getting for the price. There are over a 1,000 autographed items for sale right now at pristineauction.com, and every single item on the website comes with a certificate of authenticity from the industry's most reputable authenticators. So you know you can trust it when you get that little piece of paper that says, this is legit. So you can upgrade your collection of signed memorabilia, and you're going to get $10 off of the first item that you win when you use promo code ROGERS to sign up. Again, go to pristineauction.com, use promo code ROGERS, you're going to get $10 off the first item that you win. And even more importantly, not only are you getting $10 off, 
you are going to be entered into a drawing to win a signed Quay Walker jersey. I'm telling you, this guy is an absolute star, and it's going to be something that you're going to want in your collection. All you got to do is sign up at the website. Go do it now. We'll take a break. We'll be right back. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now, introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. All right, so I want to look at the training camp report card days one through seven. I I wrote on the Packernet Substack. You can find it at packernet.substack.com. This article, by the way, is completely free. Um, I posted it so that everyone can see it. I like to do that at least once a week so that everyone can kind of get a... um, just kind of a peek behind the curtain of the kind of things that I do. And uh, hopefully, maybe some people will say, you know what, this is some high quality stuff. I'm willing to buy a subscription. So far, that strategy has not worked super well, but <laughs> it's it's okay. Um, but again, I just want to highlight a couple people that are a little bit surprising. Uh, just to give you an idea of the format, how many good notes, how many bad notes, what positive percentage. So Aaron Rodgers, I had 11 good notes, two bad notes. So his positive percentage, 846 And then I highlighted my favorite note of all of them. So for Aaron Rodgers, it was first big highlight of camp on offense. Rodgers deep bombed down the right sideline to Winfrey. Perfect placement for Winfrey to just run under it and passed his defender at the last second. And then I just give a little blurb about my thoughts on it and whatnot. So again, it's it's a really nice resource to have. Just as I like to give just sort of those bullet points. So if you want to just run through and be like, all right, how is, you know, uh, Dominique Daphne doing? Well, Five good notes, one bad note, 83.3% positive. Good to go. 
You know what I mean? But again, a couple little highlights. First of all, probably not surprisingly, but the most positive notes among all the wide receivers was Romeo Dobbs. However, he also had probably, let me just double check, he had the most negative notes as well. Kind of is an underrated or, or underreported storyline because of how positive it's been. So he has the most notes overall, but nine positive notes and four negative notes, which include two drops and two losses against corner. And obviously, the, the biggest thing is they're not tweeting every single thing that happens. There's a lot more losses to Stokes and to Jair and everybody else that are not tweeted about. And there's, well, probably not any wins that, that aren't tweeted about, but it's still a good general summary to kind of keep us in line. But yeah, 69.2% positive for Romeo Dobbs, but nine positive notes through camp, more than anybody else as far as wide receivers or tight ends or running backs for that matter. Other couple interesting things, I was actually surprised to see how many Samori Ture had. Um, I would have thought he only had like two or so notes and it was close to 50%. Six positive notes, only one bad note. Uh, I think for him and Danny Davis, who has four positive and zero negative, it's because a lot of their passes are kind of underneath stuff, a lot of slot, you know, quick slant type things. So they're not a lot of big play highlights. But yeah, six positive notes and only one bad note is not that far behind um, Romeo Dobbs with nine. In comparison to even Jawan Winfrey only has four. Uh, Sammy Watkins, he's been out but four. Even Alan Lazard has eight. So he's just a couple behind Lazard. That one kind of took me a little bit by surprise because I didn't think he was having quite that good of a camp. Um, Amari Rogers, actually, and again, this is not special teams, but not as many notes, but he's at 100%. He's got four positive notes and zero negative notes through camp so far. So there's not been a single he lost this rep or he dropped this pass, nothing. Uh, my favorite note for him, the Amari Rogers second year leap is looking for real. Um, at tight end, again, another one that really surprised me because I didn't, I don't feel like I've said that much about him, but Dominique Daphne has the most notes of anybody. Five good notes, one negative. Uh, Josiah DeGuara has three positive. Tyler uh, Davis has three. And uh, Alizé Mack also has three. Another guy that I don't think I talk about very much, but I have. So most overall notes with six, most positive with five. And if you think about it, they've only had about five real live camps. So that's, that's you know, five good notes is about one a day. Favorite note for Dominique Daphne was Daphne just owned Ramsey and pass pro, but Etling misses Mitchell. So, I mean, you got him going in line against a, a, an edge rusher and just absolutely wrecks the guy. That's pretty awesome. Um, offensive line is all pretty negative. It's because the only time you really get notes is, you know, when there's a really good defensive pass rush for the most part. Um, it's not always the case. Some of the guys are positive. Uh, Zach Tom, for example, is positive. Cole Van Lannen, Sean Ryan, Michael Minette. Not by much, but they, they have more positives than negatives. But I was a little surprised to see John Runyon at 0 for 3. Every note I have on John Runyon is him getting beat. Now, that's only three, and obviously they've had dozens and dozens and dozens of plays, and with every single completion is a block by John Runyon. So this, again, this is clearly not the best of all ways of doing this, but that one kind of surprised me a little bit. Zach Tom, three positive, two negative. Cole Van Landen is 2-0. Two, two Sean Ryan, 1-0. Running backs, there have not been a lot of notes just in general. So nothing super stood out with those guys. The one, one of the biggest ones of this entire exercise, though, was looking at defensive tackles. Because as I said, the offensive line doesn't get a lot of love, but the defensive line does, because that's usually when you highlight or, or send out a tweet is when, hey, so-and-so just broke through the, the line and got a sack or whatever. If you look at just the, the top guys, well, there's a couple things that stand out here. I'll, I'll, I'll skip Devontae Wyatt because I want to talk about him separately. TJ Slayton, Jerron Reed, Dean Lowry. All of those three have four positive notes, zero bad notes. Four and oh for, for, for those three guys. 
Kenny Clark is 0 for 1. The the only note that I had on him, and it's, it's not necessarily a positive note, but it was the only thing I could put down. Kenny Clark lined up outside. Always a good sight. More one-on-one opportunities for him. So it was an alignment note. But there literally has been not been one note about Kenny Clark about making a single impact play. I don't know if they're limiting his snaps or if they're trying to get him to take some some reps off or what. But again, Dean Lowry, four. Jerron Reed, four. TJ Slayton, four. Devontae Wyatt, who I didn't hear a single word about Devontae Wyatt until, let's see, did I put it here? At least until day two. Not a single note about Devontae Wyatt. And I was kind of getting nervous because like, I haven't heard anything about Devontae Wyatt. He has seven positive notes. He has three negative notes, which is more than the other guys, but you'd expect that from a young guy, I guess. He has seven. So he has seven. TJ Slayton, four. Jerron Reed, four. Dean Lowry, four. Even Jack Heflin has one. Jonathan Ford has one. Akeel Byers has one. Kenny Clark is the only guy, with the exception of Chris Slayton, who doesn't have a positive note. And even Chris Slayton at least doesn't have a negative note. Kenny Clark has one negative note. I'm not saying I'm going to panic about Kenny Clark, but it is a little disappointing, especially from a guy that I've been saying for years. We have not seen peak Kenny Clark aside from, what, like 2018? It was a long time ago. Whenever Mike Daniels left, we just have not seen Kenny Clark. I don't, you know, no offense. I know Coach Hawn is all about it. Kenny, you don't know what you're talking about. Fine. I know what stats are. I know what his pressure percentage is. I know what percentage of the time he's able to get to the quarterback. I know what his sacks are, what his pressures, what his hits, what his hurries are. And they're not good numbers. They're just not. And now you've got an opportunity where you're looking at it. Everybody's out there making plays except Kenny. So I'm hoping to finally start seeing something about Kenny. Unfortunately, we had another practice yesterday. You had a note from Dean Lowry. You had three for TJ Slayton, nothing for Kenny Clark. So another day in the books, still not a single note for Kenny Clark. So through through eight training camp practices, zero positive notes about Kenny, one bad. And, and again, I'm sure he's had good plays, but I got nothing, not a one. That was worth apparently tweeting out by by 15 different people I'm following. Not one of them saw Kenny do anything that was worth tweeting, apparently. And, and the one note that was negative against Kenny is he jumped off sides. So he didn't get beat or anything like that. It just, that's all I got. He jumped off sides once. That's the only note I have on the guy. So, you know, again, I, I one of the biggest things that gets me excited is when, when Kenny gets help, then finally we'll get old Kenny back and Kenny's going to be a, a monster as long as, along with everybody else. And um, it's like, all right, you got Rashawn there. You got Devontae Wyatt there. You've got Jaron Reed, Jaron Reed there, however you say his name. And it's like, all right, do something. And things aren't exactly happening. You can say, well, he's, that's not fair. He's a nose tackle. He's got a da-da-da-da-da. So is TJ Slayton. He's been getting pressures. He's been blowing up run plays. So is Jonathan Ford. He's on the board. So anyways, off the edge, not surprisingly, Rashawn Gary is uh, a monster. Um, he has 11 positive notes, three negative notes. The next highest I can see, which again, kind of surprised me, was Tipa. Um, it's not Preston. It's not anybody else. And not only that, not only is he the second most with six positive notes, he has zero bad notes on the day. Tipa has been incredibly disruptive. Um, beyond that, not a single note on Tipa until day three. So this is starting day three until now, 6-0 and he's been. And in addition to that, it's pressure notes as well as run defense notes he's been really doing well on. So really, really exciting uh, to see that. Kingsley, unfortunately, is 0-2, zero positive notes. I thought for sure that there was one, but I, I don't have it written down anywhere. 
Uh, two bad notes, so that sucks. Uh, linebackers, I think the most exciting thing is we don't have a single negative linebacker note, period. Uh, Devondre Campbell, 4-0. and Quay Walker, 3-0. and Chris Barnes, 1-0. and Isaiah McDuffie, 1-0. and Ty Summers, 1-0. and And then I just don't have any notes on Wilborn or Ellis Brooks. So there has not been like, you know, McDuffie just got beat on a crosser or anything like that. Haven't seen Quay get beat. Haven't seen Devondre get beat. I wonder if anything happened today. Probably did. No, not really. There was one pass caught on McDuffie, but it says uh, Dobbs makes a nifty grab on a shallow cross with McDuffie all over him. I probably wouldn't put that as a negative on McDuffie. I mean, yes, he gave up a pass, but real sticky coverage, sometimes perfect throw, perfect catch. You know, you, you don't really call that a negative. The only other two notes on the linebackers, McDuffie with a run stop on Baylor, and then Quay Walker, it says Rogers ball tipped at the line. Quay Walker with an easy interception. Still no negatives for the linebackers. By the way, that puts... Devondre and Quay tied at 4-0 after today. Um, cornerback Jair, 6-0, and he had more going on today. Jair had uh, tight coverage and a pass breakup on Lazard. He has not given up a single pass this entire camp, not one. He's had, I think, four pass breakups. I don't know if this is his fourth or this is his fifth, but it's absolutely insane to have a guy like Jair not give up a single reception. And not only that, not only is it just that He's not being thrown at and, you know, some errant passes or whatever the case is, is. These are pass breakups. The amount of pass breakups he's had is stupid. Um, Eric Stokes, not surprisingly, it's mostly bad. Um, again, he's probably won a ton one-on-one down the sideline, but you don't really call out the stalemates as, well, you know, it was good coverage even though the ball wasn't there. So the only time you really highlighted is when the ball's in the air but bottom line is four good notes eight negative notes for eric stokes so he's he's getting frustrated there was another note i think today of him like punching the ground there's been one of him like slamming his helmet he's getting a little frustrated about getting picked on uh Razul, surprisingly one and one and three one good note three negative notes he did have a pick six though today in, in training camp so that'll bring that up at least to to two and three i don't know if you had any other notes nope the other one is negative so it's uh Razul is going to be two and four the other guy that really surprised me, I think, above anybody else aside from Kenny, is Mr. Rico Gafford. Again, he kind of gets caught up in the mix with everybody else, but um, Rico Gafford actually has the most positive notes of anybody outside of Jair Alexander. He has five with only three negative notes. The interesting thing is that the one note that I put here is Rico Gafford has been showing up today. That's his third forced incompletion in coverage, and he had more pass breakups after this. So he's he's... Forced incompletions doesn't necessarily mean pass breakup, but he's got multiple pass breakups through training camp and has been mostly positive, more so than anybody outside of Jair. He had another pass breakup today or yesterday for you. Now, he did get beat, so he's, he's up to six and four, but still six now positive notes, including multiple pass breakups for Rico Gafford. He's, he's having a real good camp. And again, just a guy that, you know, as you go day to day, oh, there's a note, there's a note, there's a note. To actually put them all together, though, and really see how much he's been standing out is, is pretty awesome. Um, safety, Adrian Amos has been the guy for sure. Uh, Darnell Savage is one good note, two bad notes. Adrian Amos is four positive and one negative, and he had a pick yesterday. So add that to his notes. Nobody else is super standing out with the exception of one guy. Again, kind of just flew under the radar a little bit. You've got uh, one and two for Darnell Savage, one and two for Vernon Scott, two and one for Sean Davis, one and two for Dallin Leavitt, Levitt, uh, oh for one for Tariq Carpenter. It's all just a lot of onesie twosie. Then all of a sudden out of nowhere, Ennis gains four positive, one negative, right? <laughs> like where did this come from? 
The other crazy thing about Innis Gaines, though, not a single note about Innis Gaines until weeks uh, until day six. Day six was what? That's when the pads went on. Not a single Innis Gaines note, and all of a sudden, in just like a day or two, he's got five notes, and four of them were positive. The the note that I put here, Gaines with a nice blitz off the edge. Love throws deep to Dobbs. Nice throw, blah, blah, blah. Doesn't matter. So he's blitzing off the edge on, on top of everything else. But then even yesterday, he had a couple notes. He had one bad note. Amari just put in his gains in a blender. So that's good for Amari. Puts him at four and two. But then the other two, Gaines with a fantastic pass breakup on Amari. So another pass breakup for Innis Gaines. And then Love's throws deep down the middle. Should have been picked by Innis Gaines. And it actually says Toure had Gaines beat. So that's actually a negative note for him. But he's got an additional pass breakup. So that's going to bring him to five and three. Still pretty solid, especially compared to everybody else who's just onesie twosie outside of Adrian Amos. So if you're looking for which guys are standing out, Innis Gaines, 100%, is standing out in training camp right now at, at the safety position. So Innis Gaines at safety, Rico Gafford at corner, nobody really at linebacker outside of the starters. Edge rusher is Teepa by a mile. He's actually ahead of Preston in terms of impact. He's going up against the twos as opposed to the ones, but still. Defensive tackle is Devontae Wyatt for sure. Running back is really nobody. Tyler Goodson and B.J. Baylor, both 3-0. And then wide receiver, as far as somebody that's standing out kind of surprisingly, well, tight end is Dominique Daphne. Wide receiver's got to be Toure with his six and one. Anyways, um, I, I kind of want to power through this kind of quickly. So I'm not going to go kind of in order like I have been. I'm just going to look at the notes as I have them. So it's going to be player by player, which might be more interesting anyways. I don't know. But again, quickly want to go through some of the notes. So Matt LaFleur's press conference, uh, first of all, they did get a new jugs machine. That's going to be coming in soon. Uh, he reiterated again, there may be tackling on family night, which obviously would be great, assuming nobody gets hurt. But for viewing purposes, fantastic. Um, he did mention A.J. Dillon is going to catch a lot of passes, which really shouldn't surprise any of us. But there is sort of that thought that was in the back of my head of, I wonder if they're going to be kind of split up between A.J. Dillon and Aaron Jones and their responsibilities. But really, that doesn't make a lot of sense. The Packers don't like to split responsibilities. Their whole mantra is to make everything look the same. So no matter what back is out there, you don't have a tell as to what's going to happen. And on top of that, A.J. Dillon has been an elite receiving back. So why would you waste that? So I think it's going to be very similar. You're going to see split carries between two guys that do very similar things. Despite the fact that they're built differently, they're going to be used very similarly because that's the whole point of the offense anyways. And then he had a quote on Razul Douglas. He says, the thing I love about him that you don't always see with corners is he's a physical guy and isn't afraid to put his nose in there and make a hit. Ryan Wood added, big reason Packers have repped him in the slot, a position that needs to factor in run support. I don't think that's the only reason. I think it's because Jair and Stokes are the default guys on the outside. But the fact that they see him as being a guy that can do that with his intelligence, with you know his nose for the ball, kind of being on an inside kind of a guy, but on top of that being a physical player, it makes sense that he's, he's a good fit for that position as well. Uh, injuries, no new injuries as far as additions or guys coming back. Uh, general notes, Jordy Nelson was there. So that's kind of cool having him on the sideline quarterbacks. It's never really fun doing quarterback notes. Cause they're just the ones throwing it. You know what I mean? It's if there's 15 completed passes, am I going to put every completed pass and every incomplete? And I don't know whose fault it is for the incomplete, but I will say this Rogers generally look good aside from a couple, maybe errant passes. Jordan love. I got the impression struggled quite a bit today, which would be the second camp so far out of eight that he struggled, uh, kind of a lot. A lot of pass breakups, interceptions, and errant passes, including one that hit the dirt on a screen, which is one of the most just head-scratching things ever. And to be fair, Aaron Rodgers, I've seen him do that several times, but that that is brutal when you can't get the ball to a wide receiver who's four yards away from you. 
Uh, Lazard probably had his biggest day since day one. He's been largely quiet since early on in camp. But uh, today, the first one was not a positive one. Jair, tight coverage, pass breakup on Lazard. After that, Rodgers hits Lazard over the middle, got away from Douglas. Rodgers with a sick play action on a completion to the Lazard on a crosser, master technician at work. They talked a lot about that play. Uh, it was a play fake to Dylan, and pretty much everybody everybody bought on it. It was, I don't know what happened. If there's a video, I'd love to see it, but apparently it was it was one of the more beautiful play fakes that anybody has seen. And then Lazard with a fantastic down block on Ramsey to spring a run to the outside. So again, Lazard probably with his best day since like day one. Uh, Watkins got mixed in a little bit. Again, what, one thing I've noticed with Sammy Watkins, and maybe I'm just misremembering this, but it seems this way. Since he came back, he's usually very quiet until the end when they get into like two minute. It seems like when the game's on the line and Rodgers is trying to move the ball, that's when you start to hear Sammy Watkins coming up with that eight-yard reception to, to move the chains kind of a thing, which is pretty cool. I wouldn't have thought of him as that guy, that's sort of a Randall Cobb and maybe an Alan Lazard role. But I've seen that now a couple times where he's been quiet, it's been quiet, it's been quiet, and then all of a sudden two minute comes and there's a couple plays to Sammy Watkins. But he also had a, a touchdown versus Shamar Jean Charles. I'm not sure who threw it, but um, another touchdown for Sammy, which is cool. Uh, Cobb continues to be quiet. The only note on him is he was the target on the one play that got you know returned by the defense for a touchdown. Romeo Dobbs, again, the most notes of anybody. That continues. He has six notes compared to, I think the next highest is about four. But um, Dobbs makes a diving catch on an inbreaker with Stokes draped all over him in one-on-ones. Again, another situation where I'm not going to necessarily dock Stokes. Now, granted, a reception is a reception. You still gave it up. That still sucks in a regular season game. There's no you know half points for that. But still, good coverage is good coverage. But to be able to have a and, and that's the other thing that's cool about it is and this isn't the first time perfect ball placement and and a a receiver that refuses to be denied. I mean, this is the kind of stuff I talked about with Jordy and Devontae, where it just got to be unfair. It doesn't matter how good of the corner is, it's just completely unfair. Next play, Rico, great coverage and a pass breakup versus Dobbs. And it says, and then who else? Dobbs make a nifty grab on a shallow cross with McDuffie all over him. Again, perfect coverage, still gets the ball, still makes the catch. And Rodgers is throwing to him. That's the other thing. He's, he's, he's not open. Even when he's not open, that's how you end up getting this many notes, by the way. You get thrown to when you're open, and Rodgers is still throwing to when you throwing to you when you're not open. I mean, are, are you getting the feeling I'm getting here? Everything's pointing in only one direction. First play, incomplete to Dobbs, quarterback and wide receiver not on the same page. That was Jordan Love coming out. I'm not sure who's to blame for that, but um, just kind of sloppy when when Love was on the field. Next note says, complete to Dobbs on back-to-back plays. The second play was a fantastic diving catch. Dobbs get, uh, gets paid off on the next play with a catch on a slant. So catch after catch after catch after catch. Two of them, he was draped all over. Two of them were diving catches. It's just incredible. I cannot wait for family night. I cannot wait. I hope they bubble wrap him tomorrow because I need him to be on the field because I just need to see a glimmer of this. I saw one play that somebody took a shot through the through the fence, and it really was a beautiful-looking everything. I mean, he just looked like a legitimate wide receiver. I don't know why I was expecting something different. Like, I just assumed this is all one big fluke, but it was beautiful. Um, Amari, I think we already covered both of his notes. Had one great rep, and then he got a pass breakup later. Winfrey, one positive, two negative. And then, again, uh, Samori Ture, another guy that I wouldn't have thought of had I not done that article in terms of this guy's really having a lot of positive reps. Again, what was he, 6-1, and one, I think? Today, here are his notes. Ture beats Amos one-on-one in the red zone. That's significant. 
Love with a strong throw for a touchdown to Samori Ture, but the rookie receiver drops it. And apparently it was a really bad drop too, which sucked. Next one says, Love throws deep middle. Should have been picked. We saw this note. Ture had gains beat, but Love underthrew it. So that's two positive, two more positive notes for him and one negative, but still. So he's up to like, what, eight and two? Really pretty impressive, especially when you're further down the depth chart and you're getting less opportunities than the rest of the guys. And another guy with a bunch of notes who's starting to get his name out there a lot more. Danny Davis is still doing stuff, but he's just not getting quite highlighted as much. Um, but Hyman, Thomas, great pass breakup versus Hyman. Hyman, I think, catches a contested catch over the middle versus Vernon Scott. Hyman tries to make a juggling catch, but it falls incomplete. And then Love finds Hyman back corner of the end zone. Beautiful throw and a leaping touchdown grab by Hyman. So it's not all perfect. I think that was like two for two-ish, depending on how you read that. But still, I mean, he's getting a lot. There's a lot going on with him. Uh, Tyler Davis probably had his biggest day. He had his his uh, first note was pretty negative. Vernon Scott, good coverage on Tyler Davis. But then the next two, Tyler Davis, fantastic catch in the end zone. The next one, Rodgers to Tyler Davis over the middle to keep the drive moving. So haven't heard a lot from him. There's two right there. I think the first time I've heard about Sal Canella here, Sal Canella knows how to run a route, easy separation versus Sean Davis. Probably the first time I've, I've heard from him. So that was that was exciting. And then uh, the the running backs, you've got sort of the backups were... You know, you, you got one note for Aaron Jones, a couple for A.J. Dillon, and those are always positive, but the vast majority of the really good notes have come from uh, Goodson and Baylor, and it seems like it's just a two-man race right now. Again, with, with, with running backs three and four both injured, and neither of them really being all that massively promising to begin with, um, and these guys just every day getting more and more opportunities and looking better every single time. We got four notes for Goodson and three for Baylor. Uh, Goodson, it says, Tyler Goodson with a heck of a run to the outside. Great hesitation move to spring him for extra yards. He says, it follows that up with a huge run left for another great hesitation and cut. Huge two plays for 39. And then it says, love to Goodson over the middle. And then Tyler Goodson is feeling himself today. Great run up the middle. B.J. Baylor, it says, great blitz pickup again for B.J. Baylor. Dude can block. Uh, gave love uh, time to hit Ture, but Ture dropped it, so that was on that play. McDuffie with a big run stop on Baylor. That's not really a note for Baylor, but he's on there. Nice find and a check down to Baylor first down. So I'm kind of torn on this a little bit too because I'm looking at it going, Goodson clearly is getting much more positive notes. He's he's clearly the better running back. He's he's running the ball much better than anybody else. I mean, with the exception of the first two guys, but of, of the remaining three, I guess, that have been out there. But when you look at Baylor and what he does, he gets some positive plays running the ball, but he's also an incredible block. And now he's kind of showing himself as a receiver. It's cool that you're a good runner, but if you can't block and you can't catch, I don't think the Packers want to deal with you. So even if you're lesser in terms of your abilities as a running back, if BJ Baylor can prove to be a runner, a blocker, and a receiver, he's going to win the job, period. Offensive line, not a ton of notes. Uh, The alignment was Yash, John Runyon, Myers, Newman, and Tom was first team offensive line. Second team was Cole Van Landen at left tackle, which I don't recall seeing that ever before. He's usually right tackle. Uh, Minette at left guard, Hanson at center, Sean Ryan at right guard, and Caleb Jones at right tackle. Uh, Sean Ryan, I think, has yet has not yet cracked first team. I've seen him only three times. I think this is the third time I've seen him with the second team. Otherwise, he's been even lower than that. So hopefully he gets more opportunities and continues to thrive in that spot. Um Unfortunately, it wasn't all positive, though. Zach Tom had two negative notes today. Garvin beats Tom basically twice in a row. So again, they get a million reps, but these are the two that were highlighted. Jonathan Garvin beats him pretty badly, and then right after that beats him again. 
Defensive tackles, a uh, couple, uh, a note for Ford, a note for Lowry, but TJ Slayton was the guy that had the most. He had three notes on the day, two tries and one on one. Slayton goes absolutely nowhere against Runyon. Teaching tape for the Packers guard. So obviously that was a positive Runyon note. I don't know if I put, oh, I did put that for Runyon. I just said he only had one note, so I didn't read it. TJ Slayton blows up a running play with the twos in 11 on 11s at Packers camp. The big fella came in strong late last season and looking for more in year two. And then TJ Slayton blows up a run play in the backfield. So Slayton has been very consistent. He's one of those guys where it's, it's not like huge days here and there. It's just sort of like one here, one here, one here. So today he had two and a negative, but still. Love that when the pads go on, the guy's starting to show out. And also Ford, I think, uh, he had a note here. Let me read it, just make sure it's positive before. Jonathan Ford with an impressive run stop. He's got a real chance as number six defensive lineman. I'm not sure I'm really buying that at this point, but... It is possible, and I think the biggest thing there is that um, there's been two padded pack practices, and those are the only two times when we've seen Ford's name. We have not heard of Ford once until the pads came on. Then all of a sudden, day six, Ford just about took a handoff in an attempted run by the two's great instant disruption. The second day, which is yesterday, Jonathan Ford with an impressive run stop. So um, as soon as the pads go on, Ford's starting to make his presence known. So I'm not counting him out as number six defensive tackle. I just haven't quite gotten to that point yet. You know, you got Heflin that I think would make the most sense right now. Hasn't said much yet, but it just seems like he's the guy that at least understands how to play, has played regular season snaps, et cetera, et cetera. But um, edge rushers is actually Garvin, which, you know, he had the two reps against um, Tom, which is why he has two, but he was the only one with multiple. Rashawn only had one, but it does say Rashawn in the backfield again, which just kind of highlights again that they don't tell you every single time something happens. But um, yeah, Rashawn lives in the backfield. That's what it is. But Preston, Tipa, Ramsey, and Garvin all had notes. Uh, I already read the linebacker ones with Quay and McDuffie. Again, no negatives there still. Jair, again, with tight coverage pass breakup and Lazard, as I mentioned, he's only got positive plays so far. Uh, Stokes' only note of the day dives uh, is the Dobbs diving catch. Again, not really a negative on Stokes, but it's, it's still not a positive. So you're hoping to start seeing more positives from him. Uh, Shamar was one for one. Razul was one for one, but his one was a pick six. So I think he won- wins that one out. Uh, Dante Vaughn had two positive, one negative, but both of those positives were pass breakups. So he had two in camp today, which is pretty big. Again, the, the backup corner, backup safety, backup linebacker competitions are really, especially corner and safety. You know, you, you think you got it figured out and you look at a couple guys like, eh, guys like Dante Vaughn, like he he ain't going to do anything. And all of a sudden he's got two pass breakups in a day and it's like, well, I guess I guess he's hanging in there. We got to see see where this goes. Again, Ento with a pick today. Gafford with a pass breakup. I mean, the defense in general is just ridiculous. It really is. The amount of pass breakups and picks just today is ridiculous, <laughs> including on even, it's not like it's all Jordan Love. I mean, this is also Aaron Rodgers. Keandre Thomas with a pass breakup. I mean, just looking at the corners, Keandre Thomas, pass breakup. Gafford, pass breakup on Dobbs. Dante Vaughn, pass breakup on Dobbs. Dante Vaughn, uh, pass breakup, doesn't say against who, but it was Jordan Love. Uh, Ento with a pick uh, on Winfrey, I guess. Shamar Jean Charles, good coverage, not a pick, though, or a, a pass breakup. Razul with a pick six. And Jair, Jair with a pass breakup. That's just the corners just looking at picks and pass breakups. That doesn't include Quay Walker getting a pick, right? It's not looking at the safeties. Adrian Amos had a pick. He had three notes today. Uh, we mentioned Ture beat him, but then he had a, a, a pick to end the entire training camp, I believe, and Amos shuts it down. Huge jump ball pick off Rodgers in the end zone. DeGuara, the intended receiver. 
His other note, Amos is smashing today. Thud against Aaron Jones in the rut inside. Had a clean collision with Dobbs earlier. So he's out there smashing people. But he had a pick. Ennis Gaines pass breakup versus Amari. So, I mean, it, it's, it's wild, man. Anyways, that's about it. I didn't cover every single thing, but that, that was the, uh, the nuts and bolts of who had a good day and who didn't. And it, the, the two-hour ones are nice because you get more opportunities and more guys getting stuff done. Biggest thing I still need to see, and if you're at training camp tweeting these things out and you're listening, if you see Kenny do something, let me know. There, there was a rumor. Nobody really saw who tipped the pass that ended up uh, getting picked by Quay Walker, but I saw it was either Kenny or like Heflin or something. So maybe he gets like a half a credit for, for something, but so far, nothing for Kenny. Hoping we, uh, we get a positive development there sometime. But anyways, I got to go. I got to record Packernet after dark now. So <laughs> you guys have yourselves a fantastic day. Big day to Mara, but I will talk to you later. Have a good one. Bye-bye. <laughs>